heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Hello, everybody out there listening. We really appreciate you joining us today. This is Kip with Powder and String Outfitters Podcast, your hometown shop. I am joined today by Matt Jennings. Matt, I greatly appreciate you coming on here and uh, sitting down with us. Uh, We were just kind of joking around a few minutes ago before we got started. We don't know where this is going to go, so everybody just hold on because who knows where this thing's going to end up. Yeah, man, I'm... I uh, I really appreciate. I'm glad to be on here, buddy. I appreciate the invite, and yeah, everybody, put your seatbelts on. Let's rock and roll, and let's get this party started. Yeah. So, Matt and I have never met. I know who he is. Um, we were connected through a mutual friend, and uh, so Matt, I've heard a lot about you. Obviously, um, you've got your own show. You want to tell a little, our listeners out there a little bit about that, um, yep. so that way they kind of know where to where to look you up. Yeah, I've been in business now for five years. I've been doing it for a living for two years. My show is called The Game. Uh, Facebook The Game. Uh, Matthew underscore Jennings one hundred on Instagram. I'm running on Carbon TV, Mossy Oak Go, uh, Hunt Channel TV, My Outdoor TV, and Pursuit Channel. And we're going to start running on Waypoint TV uh, this coming up, uh, third quarter, starting, I think, July, when everything starts getting chopped down, we start going through production and all that fun stuff. And, uh, man, just been really blessed and just a, just a redneck living the ultimate dream, you know, just a lot of hard That's what it's all about, isn't it? A lot of praying, and I was too hard-headed and stubborn to take no for an answer, you know, and and I uh, met a lot of awesome people on the on the way and i've learned it ain't you know everybody sets a goal out you know what they where they want to go but you know at the end of the day the way or what i've kind of figured on it is it ain't when you get there it's the ride getting there and the the memories that's right because i look back look back at two three years ago and i'm like man you know that was the it ain't about making it it's about the journey getting there really that's the yeah and and it's funny that you should say that because at least it's been my experience that you don't you don't know what's there yeah. you know what the there yeah. is it's and it's the journey that you look back and you're like man that was that was a good time and that was i mean it was a good time when you're doing it but when you look back the reflection and the memories and stuff man that's what it's all yeah, about yeah it's all about the ride and, man yeah and you kind of hit on you know the lord and and all of that and man i couldn't tell you you know this thing with powder and string um it you know never did i think that in less than two years we'd be sitting here and i'd be you know talking to matt jennings um you know and and had our own podcast but you know he puts he puts things in place and and puts you and pushes you in the right direction uh, when you need it and and like i said here we are well i've learned and a lot of people ask me man how did you do what you did so fast or so quick? And I'll look at them and tell them, you know, I said the same prayer for probably 15 years when I was younger, you know, mm-hmm. and they look at me like I'm stupid. And I've, I've learned over time 
if you pray for something, you don't get it automatically. It's not that you're not going to get it, but I think that the Lord knows that you're not ready to take that on yet, and he's not going to yes. put more on you than you can bear and handle. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I honestly think, you know, and as I've, you know, got a little older and got a family now, and like if you have told me that, I was going to be doing this back when I was 16. I'd say, man, I hope so. But, you know, I didn't know no better. And right, I exactly. can see my dad now. He's We, we run a big body shop where he does. Um, and that's where I cut my teeth at with him. And, and if it wasn't for him letting me go, you know, hunting, I'd probably never be, never be where I'm at today. So a lot of my whole family, they're very supportive, and they've been behind me 100%. And, uh, yeah, and it takes that a lot of that, yeah. too. You know, like my wife, this morning I went out hunting, and, you know, I I wouldn't be able to do it without a supportive family. Absolutely. My wife, she's like I got the golden ticket with her, man. Like she, I stay gone a lot, and I hate staying gone away because I got a little boy. He'll be a year old February the 18th, Riggs. And uh, he's my right hand man. And, and like I say, gone a lot and, uh, she never, she never complains. She'll slap me on the butt and say, go get it done, baby. Love you. And uh, that's what it's all about, you know? And then she knows when I'm getting, I'll get frustrated or stuff ain't going right. Cause I mean, everybody sees the, you know, the 22 minutes of the, the high spots of it, but they don't see (laughs) the, you know, 20, hour sits or you know the 20 hour truck rides and the setting in months of preparation you know almost got it done but just didn't go our way or didn't have camera light and like she helps me she helps me stay focused you know she don't let me get sidetracked if and if i do she'll you know she'll she'll jump on my t- get you sorted and out straighten me back out you know and, and there you go you can't you can't beat that man i mean that i see a lot of boys come and go and I see a lot of guys get divorced over doing what we do. And it cracks me up when somebody says, well, man, I got to ask my wife first. And I'm like, huh? Like, you know, it just, because I've never had to do that with mine. You know, I just, I don't think nothing about it and she don't care, you know. And I'm, and, mm-hmm. you know, I feel sorry for you, buddy. <laughs> yep. So, you you know, we, we, we've talked about it and we've talked about, you know, making it hunting hunting excuse me you uh you you definitely know a little bit about shooting big deer well i've i say i get lucky every now and then but i've been very very blessed and i've been been able to hunt some some places that man i just dreamed about as a kid you know and i've been fortunate to to capitalize on the opportunity when it was there and uh one of the things that I wanted to ask you um, when I was doing a little bit of research and everything about mm-hmm. you is where, where is your favorite place to hunt? What, what maybe state or area? Man, to be, I hate to be modest, but all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, you got to pick uh, one. Man. Or two or three. I would say the one, I love Texas. Why? Because it's, it's more of a vacation. It's very target rich environment. Um, I on yes. uh, Mexico this year for the first time. That was a dream hunt. Like, 
like I never would expect in a million years I'd been able to, fortunate enough to get to go hunt, you know, in Mexico. And that place was this, I called it a Disney World for rednecks. And uh, it was it was yeah. just ungodly. And uh, But I'd say probably my favorite place is the Bluegrass State in Kentucky. And the reason that is, I swear, the first place I ever went hunting out of state. And uh, it's kind of where I cut my teeth and it's, you know, home away from home. Yeah. So going back to that, you know, first memory of where it all started, if you will, drawing you back to that. Oh, man. Like when I was little, little. Yeah. Like when, where'd you shoot your first, where did you shoot your first deer? Sitting, I was eight years old, sitting in my daddy's lap with a 20 gauge shotgun, spitting sunflower seeds. And I'll never forget it. There you go. And, and I, I I look at it now differently because I see stuff differently. I'm, you know, I've got older and and I see that I was blessed with a lot of stuff that I took for granted back then that I didn't know no better. And uh, my, right, my right. uncle Andy, he, he owned a, a lot of land. He was always buying land. So I always had new land to play on. So I never, you know, thought about it. And my daddy, he bought, I think it was 40 acres down the road from our house, and uh, we called it the farm. And so we always had a place to go hunt, me and him. And uh, I'll never forget it. We we started out sitting on the ground. We were sitting there, and he said, uh, I said, hey, let's get up in that stand. He said, all right. So I'm up there, feet dangling off, you know, and we just sitting there talking just like me and you are. And I'll never forget it. He said, now the deer's going to come from this way, and they're going to come from the right. And I said, yes, sir. So he's sitting there, and I kind of look up to the left on the ridge, and I see a leg. I said, Daddy, I said, Pop, there's a deer. He goes, ain't no deer up there, boy, shut up. They're going to come from this way and this way, you know. And <laughs> so a few minutes later, here comes this deer down the hill. And I said, see, Daddy told you there was a deer. And uh, it was facing us, and I had a big old pair of bucky gloves on. I'll never remember, and uh, or forget it. And uh, I went to go shoot, and I couldn't squeeze the trigger because the glove was thick. So he's holding the gun for me. I fix my glove. I wipe my nose, bend back down, boom, shoot it. It runs off. And, you know, we're all ecstatic, and it's a little old spike. And, uh, but back then, you know, that was a giant. And we get down. That was the biggest deer. He, uh, he already, you know, he sees the blood. Well, he's letting me, you know, look for it or whatnot. So we end up finding a deer, and... His leg was hanging, or his right leg or left leg, I can't remember which one, was hanging by a thread. And probably two weeks prior to that, he had shot a deer right at dark with a seven mag, and he bent over something at a weird angle, and the scope caught his nose. Well, when he walked through the door that night, he looked like Rocky Balboa <laughs> done whipped him, you know. He looked yep. rough, his old nose. We all know what that looks yeah, like. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. I was standing there and I said, Daddy, I killed a deer you couldn't kill. And uh, that was my first deer, man, and I ain't I ain't been right since. That's that's a awesome story and that's what it's all about. And that's kind of what we had just talked about, you know, the journey. You look back and you're like, you wanna I'm sure you're much like me, you wanna create that scenario for your boy. Oh and, yeah. And uh and and I'm in a little bit different position than you are. I just had uh, two grandbabies, so they're both uh, 11 weeks apart, and I'm 
I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, well, Knox, my my grandson, he's uh, he just turned seven months old, and I'm pretty sure he's just about probably two or three months away from pulling his bow back already. That sounds so about like he's uh, he, yeah, he's. I cannot wait to take him out and uh, you know just go go and and have him enjoy the outdoors, if oh, you will. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. It's the memory and 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 to hear you know you hear you tell that story as vividly as you did. That's what you want. That's what we want to create. And and you know, with our podcast, that's kind of what we're you know we're a we're a you know we're a hunting uh, guiding. Um, we got pro staff. We're you know shops shooting. Um, you know, we're kind of well rounded. But what we what we want to do with our podcast is get information out there for our listeners to try and help the especially the ones that are just getting started because we've all been there before when it's the first hunt or it's the first time and nobody wants to be you know feel that have that feeling of you know feeling stupid or feeling you know feeling intimidated or whatever and And it's um, sad this day and time that we live in you know back yes when we when i was growing up you know you didn't have none of the facebook stuff and instagram and all that that bull crap you know and you didn't see bashing and you know i mandated them and ain't no telling how many Corner six corners of spikes that I would blister, and dude, I was proud of them. I'd ride them sun guns around on the, on the tailgate and go down to the store. And Absolutely, look what I killed. You can't do that no. Mm-hmm. First thing I go ask, man, no. or how, man, that deer's too young. You should, yeah, man, screw that. Like that, that bugs me. That's one thing that I hate about the industry and people being so judgmental on stuff like that. But social media has also helped on you know like you just said people don't know and like when i like nobody in my family bow hunts whatsoever and um and i forget Mm -hmm. it was a uh it was hs specialties it had uh uh greg miller stan potts and i think vanderpool on it maybe and uh rick white and it does the show was called, or the caption said, "So you want to be a bow hunter?" And man, I watched that video every night, literally to the on VHS, VHS probably back in the day. And literally, I burnt that tape slap out of that that thing, like it mm-hmm. broke. I, yeah, so much. and that's how I learned, you know, or or kind of knew. Okay, well, I can. I need to wear a face mask. If I don't, my face is gonna go like a flashlight. I remember Greg Miller's. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah and it's funny how the little things stick with you and the stuff that we take for granted or don't take for granted but we've knew for so long we'll overlook it and you know some little fella or little lady or you know grown men just might be starting you know they might they don't know and it's something that exactly. we don't take nothing about to, to share you know yeah that's exactly right, and that's um, it's 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 interesting to reflect again back to hear you tell that story to reflect back because for myself, um, I grew up in a little town west of here. It's called mm-hmm. Mayfield, um, and I, for a while, um, and I always kind of joke around. In a previous life, I lived in Phoenix, and I would always tell people when I was in Phoenix that I lived in a town of a hundred people if you counted the cats and dogs and they, they didn't, they thought I was joking, but it's, it's honestly, it's, it's three blocks by three blocks and everybody knew everybody. Um, you know, back in the day, 
you never locked your car and left the keys in it because if something happened and the neighbor needed to borrow it, why, you know, you, you, yeah, you didn't even have to ask and you left your house unlocked and, and, you know, if you needed milk or bread or whatever, you know, flour to make something, by gosh, just go over and help yourself. But, um, you know, growing back, going back to that time, um, you know, we didn't have, we, we were just, uh, we just had the over the air, you know, the, the, the antenna. Yeah. So, uh, we just had three channels and then, uh, about, I think I was about 12 and, uh, man, we got upgraded big time. Dad upgraded us and he got us a satellite. Oh, yeah. And I mean, to tell you what, uh, the hunting shows Saturday mornings, the hunting shows would come on. And I mean to tell you, was it on uh, um, TNN? Yep. Okay. Yep. And you know, that was, I mean, that was the real deal because before that it was, uh, you know, Buckmasters magazine, yep. you know, outdoor and life. You could and, not, I mean, you could not wait. No, get, I mean, to, and it's dumb as that yes. sounds. people cannot relate to that this day and time. And this is, what what sucked the most about it was is you'd get it, and then you'd be done with day. it. You'd be you'd read that dang magazine, yeah, in a day, and then you're like, dang, I got a whole other month before I get the next yeah, one. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I kind of hate to say this, but man, I wish you'd kind of go back to that, you know, because yeah, I don't. I mean, every everybody nowadays, man. I mean, I was in Mexico, and usually I I try to stay on my own leases. I go to to one outfitter and um he's one of my he's one of my best friends and uh, up in kentucky whitetail project but he's about the only like camaraderie i'm gonna have besides it's just gonna be me and a producer with me and so i was excited about the mexico trip i said man i'm gonna get to meet some new people you know shoot to shoot the bull hang out you know man i get down there and we sit down at the dinner table with me and my one of my best buddies timmy we sitting there you know having this good old time cutting up and I look around, and everybody else is on their phone. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, what y'all boys doing? And I said, hey, fellas. I said, uh, I said, why don't we put them phones up? And I said, let's, let's have a good time. And after I said that, it was just like good old days. There you go. Holiday, yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's so much, as you you know, kind of touched base on is, is that, you know, here we are talking, um, you know, two different states, um, technology, and we're putting it out on, you know, podcast and YouTube and all this stuff. And, you know, there's so much positive that can come from it, but then there's also so much that, 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 that takes away from oh, that in oh, that, you know, in the same thing. So, so much jealousy a, is a, it's yeah, very, yeah. Crab in a yeah, bucket. 100%. All right. Crab in the bucket, and and there's so much, so much of that. I, I you know, uh, it, it, people have a hard time rising to the occasion, so they just immediately crab in the bucket, pull you down. So, mm-hmm. I can totally agree with you that. And and you kind of touched about, you know, you shot that spike or you shot that, you know, six point and stuff, and and I can totally relate to that because, um, you know, I, when traveling and stuff like that, my wife she works uh, in different states and stuff, and I'll go visit her. And, uh, you know, coming from Kansas, people want to see your phone, you know, that, Hey, I want to see them big deer you shot. Well, when I go down South to Texas or Florida, I want to see the bass that you caught because they could go on their lunch break down to the city park and catch the biggest bass I've ever caught. And, and you could fish your lifetime here. 
So, you know, around here, I kind of always joke when I ever talk to those individuals. I say, well, you know, where I'm from, if you don't shoot a 180, you just, I mean, it, it's it's just not something that really gets a lot of attention in yeah. town. You know, it just not a lot of people talk. And then when you hear yourself say that, you think to yourself, man, what have we gotten to? Yeah. Because for 99%, probably, I, you, you may know better than me, but I'm going to guess 99% of, the, of the, the hunters in North America will never shoot 185 class yeah. deer. And here we are, you know, lucky enough where we're at here in Kansas, um, you know, and we, you know, we pass on a 135, 150 all the oh, time. Yeah. Um, we're lucky it's enough. It's just so. a different animal, you know. Yeah. It can eat, now, be the best place in the world or it can keep you square in your mouth. <laughs> yes, it can. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So I, I, I've been, I've been uh, given some inside information that you may have a little bit of uh, experience here in Kansas. Can you share some of that with us? Uh, man, I've been blessed to hunt. Uh, a few different parts of Kansas. Um, my lease right now, where I've been hunting the past two years, is up in uh, Hill City. Um, mm-hmm. I know right where that's. And at. then I can't remember the other place. It's about uh, two hours north of Kansas City, uh, Emporia. Yeah, Emporia. And uh, man, it's like two totally different worlds because Emporia, you got you know river bottoms and creek bottoms and. The woods, you know, so forth. Well, when, and it was great hunting, but when we ended up making a decision to go up to Hill City, man, that was a, like you just stepped off into a different world. They ain't no trees. Mm-hmm. They ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there's can't. Dry. It's dry, bad dry. It hurt, hurt, hurt my deer this year big time. I had a lot of big deer that I let walk last year when I killed John Wayne. Um, that I was like, man, we're going to have 10 deer on this farm going to be, you know, 160 to 180. And every one of them did backwards because mm-hmm. of the drought. I think the biggest deer we had on that farm this year might have been 140, give or take. And mm-hmm. um, Now in Hill City, you're getting in, you got some mule yeah. deer up in there too, correct? Yeah. Big muleys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would tell you, I mean, just this morning we were out waterfowl hunting and, uh, we had some guys with us from uh, Minnesota and from New York and uh, they were talking about deer hunting and, and, you know, putting in for tags and draws and everything. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is how much Kansas changes. So um, I had a guy tell me one time and I don't, uh, it sounds correct, but he said from the East border of Kansas and if you'd cut it into thirds that, from there, from the east quarter of Kansas, and go over a third of the way to, across the state, and then from the th- this next two thirds, there's more climate change and 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 um, not climate change, but but uh, weather change, if you will, oh, yeah. um, and terrain change, and because you know eastern Kansas, you know the Flint kind of kind of runs where the Flint Hills are, so right about where you were talking about Emporia, mm-hmm. that's kind of in the Flint Hills, and then up to like Manhattan, so it's kind of kind of the eastern third man that's got hills to it it's got you know uh, creek bottoms and and woods and it gets a pretty good lick of rain uh year round and then you get to the the middle third and it flattens all out and i mean there's some areas around here where we're from where i mean you can see two miles three miles and it's just as flat as can be now we got trees a little bit here and there but but then you get the western side the western third and it's dry and it's 
usually it's hotter and usually it's colder. And uh, we got a, a really healthy um, uh, herd of, of antelope throughout the mm-hmm. state. You know, you can get an over-the-counter, uh, I, I believe you can get an over-the-counter archery tag um, on antelope. And mule deer, it's kind of a sleeper. I, I mean, Kansas really is a sleeper state for mule deer. I agree. There's some big dudes. Yeah. There's some big dudes out there. Yeah, one of my good The biggest. He kills a hammer out there every year. Like he'll kill one in the 70s or 80s every year. With a butt. Yeah. I, I, I seen the biggest deer I've ever seen with my own two eyes in the wild on hoof. And I was in northwest Kansas. I was clear up in the very Rollins County, mm-hmm. way, way northwest. And we were out. Um, I was with with uh, my son-in-law Blake, and um, uh, I call him my son-in-law. He he'd been with my daughter, I think, for like fourteen or fifteen. No, it's not that long. It's about three or four years. But uh, good dude, um, liked the heck out of him. But um, we was up there. That was a, this was actually the very first time we'd ever been bow hunting for mule deer, and we thought, you know, hey, here we go. And when I say that he's a good shot, the dude is a good shot with a bow. Um, I used to think I was a good shot and then I watched him. Shoot. <laughs> um, and, uh, but anyway, um, we made an agreement upon it, you know, we driving up there and, and, you know, just chewing the fat and, and, uh, I said, all right, so the first three by three, um, that we see, we're going to shoot it. And I said, you shoot first cause you're a better shot. So that way we can get a better success rate for us to go. So first day we get there, uh, it's, you know, late evening, four o'clock meet up with my buddy that I know from up there. He says, you know, I've already got, you know, here's my ground, get it all laid out, tells us where we can go, you know, the whole thing, getting our bearings. And then the, uh, you know, that morning we get up early and go to the coffee shop. So that way we can talk to some other farmers and, you know, all them farmers and everything. They say, you, you're here shoot mule deer with a bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like- Have at it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. They thought like, like you'd had three heads on your shoulder and, uh, we thought, man, what did we get ourselves into? Well, by four o'clock that day, uh, Blake he laid one out three by three came through, um, and he just made a, I mean, a tremendous shot on it, um, sixty five yards, and I think it was about that sixty sixty five yards. Just, I mean, he just you know did it. But but the first day that we were there, um, kind of driving through the pastures and getting our feel of everything. My buddy, uh, you know, where he's driving us around and, you know, pointing here, there, and everywhere. And uh, he'd been seeing, and he doesn't hunt, but he runs cattle. So, of course, he knows the area and knows the ground, and he knows what a big deer is. He, and he Yeah, he knows. So he's been sending me the pictures, and, and we, we, we named this one Big Daddy because um, he was a big <laughs> dude. Well, we ended up putting a stock on, the, on that dude. Um, I think we put three, what, I mean, what we would call successful stocks. We didn't, you know, we didn't seal the deal mm-hmm. with him. Um, but we got within 45 yards once of him and there was just, it, there was too much debris. Just couldn't make a clean ethical yeah. shot on him. Um, so the very last day, um, very last day we we see a three by three, um, and he's cruising with a doe on some ground that we had permission on. And so, so here we go. And, and, uh, so, all right, well, we, we, you know, we got to split out of here pretty quick to get back. And so we get our, you know, figure out which way we're going to go, put this stock on this deer. And we come over the top of the hill, start glassing, don't see anything. And we take a few more steps and he grabs me and he says, uh, you know, gives me the whole, you know, points his eyes, you know, right over there. And you could see these little antlers. And then about that time, up pops a doe, up pops another doe, up pops another doe. And by the time it was all said and done, that three by three, we don't know where he mm-hmm. went, but 
Big Daddy's daddy <laughs> stood up. And I mean, if I didn't know better, I would have said this thing was an elk. And I'm not kidding. I've seen big deer. I know what big this thing was every bit of 250. Oh. He was a toad. He was a monster. And he was about 50 yards. But I mean, it just, it all happened. And there's just no, I didn't even have time. But he walked, I mean, he took off, went down, you know, the big, this big country. So he goes up and I, I would imagine he was three quarters of a mile away and you could still see that he had antlers. I mean, he was just a toad. And that's man. so big, you for, you'll take it to the grave, will you? Oh, me and we looked at each other. And was like, "That's big." I said, "That's big." He said, "He asked me." He says, "That's the biggest deer you ever seen." I said, "That's big by far, without a question." I don't even have I don't even have yeah. to think about it. With my own two eyes, that's the biggest deer. So, we got, you know, Kansas is a is a great great state for hunting of all kinds. You know, we got we even got an elk herd, uh, you know, up north, and that's a lifetime draw. Um, you go up, and you know, once you get drawn, but you know, they they got a healthy elk herd. You know, we we're really blessed oh, here to, to have uh, you know the population. Really good turkey hunting. I mean, you know, turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, getting to duck mm-hmm. hunter by no means, but the duck hunting out there, my buddies like they swack them. You know, they're always they're yeah. on them and. It's been many years ago, but I laid in my buddy I was out there hunting with, uh, Jason Cook at Land of Giants. He told me one evening, or one day, he said, I want you to go with me tomorrow. I said, I want you to see something. You've never seen nothing like this. And I'll never forget, we was laying down in a, a laydown blind in this field, and there was an F5 tornado of snow geese on mm-hmm. top of us. And it got so loud that it was like my eardrums were about to pop. And I mm-hmm. was thinking to myself, wow, you know, and I didn't think nothing about it because I'm not a, a duck or a goose hunter, you know, but sitting mm-hmm. there going, you know, most people won't never, ever see anything like this in their lifetime. Yeah, that's a heck of a sight. I've, I've, it's I've very, very overwhelming to see, to see that and to take and to just be able to take it all in and be like, man, you know that's a totally different outlet for that state and cause it's so plentiful. Yeah. And that's kind of changed cause you know, growing up, um, I, I, I hunted everything. It didn't matter what I would, if it, if it started with, with, a you know, hunt, uh, an H and ended with us, I was in, I didn't care what it I'm was. But, oh yeah. And, uh, I remember we was a buddy of mine. We was probably, maybe 14 or 15 years old. And, and there was a snow goose that had lit with a couple of other Canadians and, uh, he was across the lake and the old timers, you know, that we hunted with and everything. He, uh, he says, uh, Hey, there's a, there's a snow goose over there on that point. You, you boys ought to try to go over there and see if you can put a sneak. <laughs> on him. So man, we went out and I still to this day remember how cold I was because that we was crawling through, you know, the grass and it had been raining and snowing and then we got wet and you know, that the clothes weren't, weren't yeah. back then what they are now. So we're soaking wet and we end up getting, we got him, we oh, got okay. that dang goose. And we, you know, we took pictures and I mean, everybody was just, you know, they, and they were, they, they were saying that that snow goose that those old timers said, you know, it'd been 15, 20 years since somebody shot a snow goose right here. Boy, we just couldn't be more proud. <laughs> we had that. We took, you know, that was where the, you took the, the film to, to Walmart and you could get, you could pay the hour yeah. to get it, you know, and yeah, we'll pay yeah. the extra. Give us it to us in an yeah. hour, man. We, we had those pictures we carried around with them and, 
and you know memories that's what plants the seed to get to where here we are you and i are here sitting and talking you know two dudes that just enjoy the outdoors and and sharing stories and swapping stories and 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 that's what it's all about that's the that's you know we kind of started that's the journey um you know that we kind of talked about and uh man i just i absolutely love that part of 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 that life if you will of the life if you will um, just having well, that I mean, journey. It's, it's, I, I wasn't ever that great in school by no means, but we had to write a paper. I think I was in fourth grade. and um, Your your boy Dylan just said that doesn't surprise yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't on the honor roll. I was good at ball, but I wasn't on the honor roll because I, I was too busy hunting to, to learn anything. And uh, I remember writing a paper about being in the woods. It's like when you stepped in the woods, it's like you stepped in a different world. And it yes, goes into slow motion to extent. And hunting around my house, like, you know, and you can be like same deal with you up there. You know, I can I can go by a tree around my house. And remember to the day, the time, how old I was, the deer. I mean, I shot a four-pointer out of that thing, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And three mm-hmm. out of this tree, I shot, you know. And it's it's like you you go back to being that little kid. And it, just, it gives you that, you know, just that sensation to be, you know, it just takes you back. And that's what makes it, I think, so special. Yeah. I would totally agree. So with regards to, to talking about all this stuff, you know, when reflecting back and everything, if you could tell somebody who's listening out there, just getting started, give them, uh, you know, a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice with regards to things that you wish you would have known, you know, when you were a year into it or, or your first year, two years into it, um, or maybe even somebody that you know that got into it you know, not as a kid like you and mm-hmm. I did. Could you, what, what piece of advice do you wish you would have known? All the different, uh, instead of hunting in Alabama, going to where there's bigger deer. <laughs> Which I, yeah. I killed some hammers in Bama. I ain't going to knock it. Like I've killed some really, I think I got the county record 10 times over with a bow and I've killed a bunch of one forties. The biggest one I've ever killed Bama was a one fifty nine. He was he was famous around my parts. His name I nicknamed him Bone Crusher. And actually, Dylan to get a kick out of this, I actually shoulda or I did fail high school my senior year because I hunted that year so much. And the only mm-hmm. guy to, I got slid by was because I was a good ball player. And uh, I didn't kill him that year. I killed him the following year. And uh, that deer, I, I'll never forget it. For the next three days at my daddy's shop, we didn't work because there were so many people stopping by looking at that deer. And uh, I remember, and he probably won't ever hear this, but Mr. Brad Cole, he's a very, very successful businessman, got more money than than I would ever dream about having. And he owned the farm that butted up into my farm. And mm-hmm. when you step foot on it, you think you and I were at the juries. I mean, he's, I mean, he's got it absolutely loaded and he had been hunting that deer for the same amount of time that I'd been hunting. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget. He pulled up in his big 
Ford Platinum truck, got out with his fancy cowboy boots on, you know, and Rolex. And he looks at me and he goes, son, I bet I got $100,000 in that deer. And I patted him on the back and I said, sir, I sure do appreciate it. <laughs> That's a great yeah, story. Yeah. You said you said your you, 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 part of your story made me uh, really made me smile because it reminded me of a of a similar story that I have. So I was uh, I think I was I know I was a junior. Um, my my um, I, I was uh, I was a decent in school with regards to grades as long as I applied For myself. Sure. Um, and, and I think just like anybody reflect back and you wish you would have tried a little bit harder or you wish you had the intuition you did now as a grown, a grown man to, to look back and go, man, you only get that one chance to go back in school and play that high school sport because then you're going to wish you could go back and do it. And yeah. so my, my sophomore year, uh, between my sophomore and my junior year, I was like, I am just going to hunt. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm done with sports cause it takes away from my hunting time. And so my parents, they didn't make me make me, but they kind of made me go out for wrestling. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, and I'd I'd always wrestled, and and I would have been a heck of a lot better if I would have applied myself. But but um, I was uh, I was a sophomore. Um, I believe I was. Yeah, I know I was a sophomore that year. Um, and uh, I'd made the the varsity wrestling team at this certain weight, and I'd beat out a senior. Um, and uh, so when you got on the senior team, you know, on the, on the varsity team, well, then you got to cut out of school a little bit early, you know, when you had For a sure. match. And so that was the perk that we cut. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, I, now I can say this cause my kids are all out of high school, but we got out of school at like one thirty that day. And I, it was, you know, it was, it was rut. So guess what? I'm gone. I went deer hunting. Yep. I didn't go to the wrestling match. I went deer yep. hunting. And, uh, do you want to talk about trouble? man uh i i uh, got obviously got caught and uh when i my punishment uh my coach coach decker um put me to to junior varsity and then i had to go to every wrestling match on the weekends moving forward oh. and uh my dad took my bow from me and uh man you want to talk about that was the worst worst punishment and i remember I was, uh, I was, I had a match and, uh, it was a junior varsity match and I, I, I probably shouldn't have been there. Um, I was by no means a, a great wrestler at all, but I probably shouldn't have been at that match. And, uh, but I was in trouble. So I was match one on mat one, you know, and there's 15 or 20 mats. And at the time, um, actually he's a, a real good friend of mine and, and he's, he's a doctor now. He was uh Dr. Hawks. He was, he was mad. He was a uh, ref in that match. And, uh, I kind of walked up and he said, you know, what are you doing here? And, uh, I said, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling, you know, I got in trouble, whatever. And so I, I, I remember telling him, I said, I'm going to stick this kid. And, you know, we started the match and cause it was match one and Matt one. And I ended up sticking that kid in like five or six seconds. And I'll never forget. I got out of there and my coach grabbed me and hauled me over into the hallway. And I mean, he up one side into me and down the other because I took too short of a time to beat the kid, you know? So, so it didn't matter what I did. I was in trouble because I yep. went hunting, but man, that, that, That's, uh, when you told that story, it just kind of reminded me of that. And, and I, I, I smile and I really enjoy that, 
that memory, even though it you was, look back you know, on it and you, and you know, it, it, it shows, you know, a lot of, you know, it just, it just hits home, you know, and you, you telling that story, man, I could, I could tell you a hundred, but it never failed that when I was little, report card was always coming in about time boat season was going to start. Mm-hmm. And my daddy, he said, well, you, you ain't, you're going to be grounded. You, you can't, my punishment was you can't go hunting. And I'd sit there and go, please, daddy, just whip me. Just whip me, daddy. I got to go hunting, daddy. I got to go hunting. And uh, I'd sit there and I might even shed a tear here or there, you know, to, to be able to go hunting because I thought it was the end of the world if I wasn't going to get to go hunting. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, shoot, through basketball. I remember getting in trouble because I'd skip Christmas break practice to go hunting. Mm-hmm. I we yeah. walked in for a Christmas tournament, and I was starting uh, wing, and I'll never forget. Coach Bailey, he hollered at me. He said, come to my office. He said, where you been? I said, I've been hunting. I said, where have you been? Because he didn't deer hunt. He, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you ain't been at practice now. And I said, no, sir. I said, I've been hunting. He said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to play ball? Are you going to hunt? And I said, well, if I got an ought or, you know, a decision to make, I said, I'm going hunting. I said, right here's my stuff. And I went to go open the door, and he said, hey, hold on a minute. He said, come here. He said, get your bag. He said, hold your butt like you're hurting here in a minute. And I'll never forget, he popped his, the pack of his <laughs> shoe. Bow, bow. He said, walk out there like you're hurting. And I looked at him like, for real? You know? <laughs> I walked on out, you know, hold my hold my little hind end. Got my punishment, boys. <laughs> we ended up winning the Christmas tournament, you know? And after- there you go. I said, Coach, I said, I told you I didn't need to practice. I said, I got to go hunting. So I was good, you know. There you go. But yeah, man, I could, man, I got a lot of stories like that 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 relates to that. That it's, I've always, and still to this day, man, like I'll get anxiety. If I know I can't go hunting, like I'll freak out. Like I got to go. I'm going. Yeah, up. I got this. I've never been addicted to anything but deer hunting. And, Right, like two of the good or two of the big deer that I shot this year, um, the one in Kansas, I was running a hundred and hundred one fever, six as a dog, and then the one I shot in Bama, I was running a fever, um, sick, and I didn't got stir crazy because I've been in the house and I went and fed that day because I was bored, and I fed at like ten thirty eleven o'clock, and a deer showed up that I thought was another deer that I'd been hunting at like one o'clock, and I looked at my wife and I said. I said, I can kill that joke this evening. She said, well, what you doing sitting here? And I said, well, all right then. So I grabbed all my camera gear and, uh, cause none of my producers want to be in a blind with me while I was sick. And, uh, I went in there and killed that joker that evening. And, there you, you go. know, I just, I've learned you, you get whatever that you put into it's what you're going to get out of. But if you halfway do it, you know, you're only going to get half results. That's exactly right. I would agree with that. One of my things to say to somebody starting, you know, do it because you love it, not because your buddies is doing it. And do it to, you know, just be yourself. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, and just enjoy it. 
really. And just yeah. little things. And, and what you, you know, you had kind of talked about earlier on, you know, everybody sees that, you know, 20, 25 minutes of, of the, the show. They say that and what they don't, is what they say. That's exactly right. And what they don't realize is how many hours upon hours upon hours of, of time and commitment and, and money mm-hmm. went into, to that, went into that, you know, achievement, 100%. if yeah. you will. And, and, you know, it's not luck. Um, you you got to put yourself in the best position you can possibly put yourself in, in order to get the best results. 100%. And, and that's, that's, you know, one of the things that, that I think people need to understand and see is, is that they see all these guys on television and ladies on television. And it's not, no, it's not easy. And it's, uh, you know, if you're, if you're truly trying to shoot a big deer, if that's what you're after and that's not what it's all about. I mean, you know, putting stuff on the table, um, knowing where that meat came from, knowing that you have the ability to, 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 to do that for your family, provide for your family. Um, you know, that there's a lot more to hunting than just shooting a big deer uh, or, or big elk. And I would say I started bow hunting, like actually bow hunting probably when I was 11, 12, killed my first one when I was 13. And I learned, and I would not take a gun, would not take a gun. And I learned by not taking a gun so much more and I got to watch so much more because with a gun, as soon as you see him, you're going to shoot at him more than likely with that Mm -hmm. bow. It made me figure out how to get in their wheelhouse, how to get in there with them, not knowing I'm there and me beating them at their own game in their house. And by me doing that at an early age and cutting my teeth in Bama and the pines and in the briar thickets, like that give me an extra edge. So when I do come to Kansas or the Midwest, man, I can break down a piece of property usually in a day and I can pretty much call my shot how it's going to go down. Cause my, my producer, he'll say, all right, what's your superpower or superpowers telling you? He said, what tree are we getting in? I said, this one right here, he's going to come this way. And usually 90% of the time, that's where it goes down. And I think mm-hmm. it's just because I mean, just how I had to come up hunting these, you know, ridges and hollows and pine thickets. And as tough as it was, it, it made me be a better hunter. Yeah. And I think that you, you, you kind of hit, hit the nail right on the head with regards to the difference between archery and bow um, hunting, because, you know, with, there's so many times that I talk to guys, um, I get a new piece of ground or, or I'll hear guys talking, you know, in the shop about, you know, some ground that they have or whatever. And they're, and, and, you know, they hunt with a rifle Mm -hmm. and again, nothing wrong with that. And, and I'm not knocking it by any means at all. Um, but, you can tell when somebody's never bow hunted before yeah. because what they find is a good spot to sit is no, not. Even, I mean, it's like, it's like that's, know, yeah, that ain't even going to yeah, work. You know, and the way that, and I'm a adrenaline junkie, like I love it. And there's nothing no better than knowing you you just beat that joker and you just shot a very very special 
animal that is mature, that is smarter than you will ever be a hundred times over. And mm-hmm. you outwitted him and tricked him into falling into your trap. That's the most, you know, regardless if, if you blow an arrow through him or not, it's, that ain't the, don't get me wrong, that's what we all do it for. But that rush and putting the pieces to the puzzle together to get to there, like, honestly, I like the prep work just as much as I like the hunt. I was just getting ready to say that. That's that's more of a a art, if you would say, I guess, than, you know, than just going to kill the thing. Because if you don't do your homework, like we just said, you know, um, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, and I was – I was going to say the same thing is, is that I couldn't agree more with the two statements that you said right there is the, even a doe or if if you got five or six does underneath mm-hmm. you and, and they're, they're just, to me, when I see that, the adrenaline that gets going, even if, if I know I'm not even going to shoot it, my bow's still hanging up on the rack, mm-hmm. on the pin, uh, on the hook. It, it just, I get, my blood is just, I'm on, I'm amped. Oh the hair on the back of my neck is standing up because if you just move ever so slightly wrong, or if the wind just catches you, man, they're gone. Oh, we was, I hunted this, which I've told this story one or two times, but I hunted this one select deer in Kentucky this year. I nicknamed her Frank Matthews up at uh, whitetail project outfitters. And, uh, this deer is very special. He was probably mid seventies, might've been eighties. Had, I think he had 22, 24 scoreable points on his head. Just an absolute mega giant. Deer of a lifetime, what you dream about. And, um, man, I was all over this deer, but he he never would slip. I could see him, but he would just never give me an inch to where I could to get a shot at him. He got big for a yeah, reason. Yeah, he, he wasn't dumb. And we're sitting in a cedar tree, maybe 14, 15 foot up, and two lock-ons, two grown men, and with camera gear, bow, and, you know, hangers, and the whole kit and caboodle. That's a lot of crap in a tree. Absolutely. I don't realize how much stuff goes up in a tree when you're, you know, producing a, a chef. When you're filming, you're, you're, you've, it's, it's not double. Oh, it's, it's more than group, double. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost too much at sometimes, and like when I say we got we're beating forty to sixty deer within thirty yards or three sixties radius around us to thirty yards to under our platform, like you're scared to breathe, and mm-hmm. you know in, just like you said, it's a lot of eyeballs yeah, lot of eyeballs, and nose. noses. I mean, and it. You know, in your gut, and that's what makes it such a rush, you know in your gut at any given second, it could flip. Like something, mm-hmm. like, you know, everything's got to, the stars has got to line up, and everything has got to absolute be in your favor. And to beat really any deer, but to have that many deer on you, and that's what, I'm not a product pusher by no means. I never have been. I hope to God I never will be. I use it. I beat the crap out of it. And I show you what it can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it said a lot for the stuff that 
I represent because I don't think anybody could just go do that. You know? No. And that's a, that's a huge deal because, and especially if you end up having to, if you have the opportunity to try and, and shoot, shoot a deer, Mm -hmm. even under those conditions, because you know, you got 30 or 40 eyeballs and noses and I mean, you lift a finger the wrong time. Yep. You're done. And one pegs you. And that ain't, you know, including looking at my camera guy going, Hey, you good. And then clipping up, making movement, drawing your bow back. You know, that's just praying to God sitting there breathing really, really lightly that they're not going to bust you. You don't think about exactly. Well, I got to, you know, because I meant, man, I was holding my bow. It felt like so long. Like, man, you just, you, your arm would go numb or it'd go to sleep and or it'd start cramping up because you sit there and hold that bow for two hours. You know, that that five, six pound, however much ever they weigh the bare bows, that's not going to, it really quickly becomes a 500 pound bow after you oh, yeah. over that long. And yeah, like there's so many variables stuff to go into, you know, hunting a big deer and, because I always say, well, killing the big deer usually ain't the biggest issue. It's beating all the deer before him. We got to beat yes. 50 before we get get a shot at him. And that's what people you know, well, realize. And I think, and, that, and so that brings up a question I want to mm-hmm. ask you. Um, obviously, you've got tons of experience. Um, I think Dylan told me you've shot 1,200 inches of deer this yep. year. Does that sound right? That's amazing. That's, I mean, that's incredible. It was a, it was um, a dream year for sure. And, the, and as bad as this sounds of me, I still feel like I got one more in me because Bama goes to February the 10th. And I'm still hunting as hard, <laughs> as dumb as this sounds, I'm still hunting as hard right now as I was back during November, during September. Like, I love the last day just as much as I love the first day. And I wanted that deer in Kentucky so bad. Like, and in my head, I'm like, man, I can kill two 170s this year. If you'd have told me I was going to kill a 170 back when I was younger, I'd say, man, you crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I would never fathom that. And people don't realize how much bone it actually takes to make a 170 or 150 or 140. Like, yeah, it's a big like, deal. I mean, that's, a, that's something very, very special. And uh, my good buddy, um, Stephen Tucker, he's actually the, the current world record holder um, for muzzleloader, um, 315 inches. and uh, Unbelievable. And, like, I rode this deer's riding the truck with me. He slept in the same bed as me, you know, beside me in hotel rooms at expos. And you sit there and look at this deer and go, how in the world did this even occur? Like, looks like a stick of dynamite went off on him and it just dried candle wax all over and just spider webbed. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but you always get them certain deer that's just special. Yeah. You know, it just, it's hard to explain. But that's what we Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's why it's hunting instead of killing. I like the killing part. It's, you know, <laughs> right. But 
it's not guaranteed as we have already, you know, as we've discussed and there is no guarantee it's, and it's a lot of work. Ain't nothing guaranteed in this life, you know? And so my bad, go ahead. So, so my question to follow through with that is, is what's your favorite time? I mean, if you had to narrow it down and I'm not talking about your favorite, when I say favorite time of the year to hunt, I'm not talking about, obviously from speaking with you, I've gathered that it's, you know, from day one to day to the end, to the last day. And, and everyone in between. But if you had the best time, because some guys will say, well, you know, period, the end, rut. Some guys will say pre-rut. Some, but if you had to give some of our, you know, give our listeners out there some advice with regards to, obviously, you're going to hunt during the rut because the deer are active and they're moving. And for lack of better terms, they're kind of stupid during that time because they're, they're not, they're, they kind of throw their, their senses yeah. somewhat to the side, yeah. if you will. Um, they're still not, they're, they're, they're not, you know, you, you still got to be on your game a little bit. You can't sit up there in the tree stand and be doing jumping jacks. But, but, um, if you had a favorite time of the year to hunt deer, um, or, or a period in the, in the deer cycle, what would that be? Well, just to help people that would listen to this, cause every redneck's going to take off November. About mm-hmm. That's when everybody's going to quit their vacation. Man. I would say November the 7th through the 11th, 12th. And, I mean, it's just as mm-hmm. good as after that, but that's when your bucks is locked down on them early does. They start breaking off. And then your older, mature bucks, I feel like that's when they start getting on their feet more. And they're going to mm-hmm. be on their feet either checking scrapes or, you know, checking the does, seeing which one's coming in heat. And, uh, man, I've, I've had good rut stuff from November the 7th all the way up till you know, Thanksgiving. And probably one of the best ruts I've ever seen in my life, first year ever hunting Kansas, was the week of Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. It was just, I guess all the bucks was coming off lockdown and they was back, you know, on their feet really, really heavily. And, um, uh, I always say Kansas, it's a different animal. That rut, to me, comes in later than your Illinois or Missouri rut, you know. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with you being from Kansas is that normally it's a little bit later than that period that you talked yep. about. Um, and and obviously, you know, the weather could affect it, I think, a little yep. bit, but not much. Um, this year was unseasonably warm mm-hmm. up here. Um, and, I mean, everybody, myself included, was ready for it to cool down. And, you know, it, you know, rut went on just as, just as it would, you know, it's like clockwork. Well, I met my, one of my dear buddies was over here earlier and we was talking about that. And, uh, I said, man, I said, it's like, yes, I said, regardless if it's a hundred degrees or zero degrees, a deer's going to do his thing. Yeah. They ain't, the only thing that weather, which it affects it. Don't get me wrong. It affects it. But. It's still going to happen. It's still going to. It's still going to take place. The only thing that weather really does is it messes with the hunter's mindset, because they automatically every one of them start thinking negative. Man, deer ain't gonna move. They're gonna move at nighttime. You know, we're just wasting our time. And I mean, it was like like that for me last year. I mean, it was like that for me uh, some this year, maybe. Like you just said, I mean, it was warm, but a deer's gonna, I mean, the rut's gonna happen. 
There ain't no if and buts about it. It's going to happen every year. Same time, same place usually. And you just got to be there when it happens. And Put yourself in the best position you possibly yeah, can. Yeah, 100%. Last, last question I have because we're kind of coming to the end here of our time. But um, when you, you had mentioned earlier that you, you, know, you got a superpower of finding – the best spot on a piece of property in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for funnels? Are you looking for pinch points? Are you looking for betting? What do you look for that superpower? What do you look to be able to put yourself on, into something? When depending you, on what time of year, honestly, if it's November, I call it, I nicknamed it heat cover two years ago. What heat cover is, is a, it's blowdowns. It's something that's thicker than the majority of your other surroundings. Because when a doe goes into heat, she don't want to be around no other deer. She wants to be by herself. And when them does are going into heat, they're going to go try to hide in them blowdowns. And them bucks are going to cruise in blowdowns bumping them to see if they can bump a doe up and it really just depends on you know what time of year how you know how everything lays out you know and if like a property i hunted this year like they was the whole property i walked down there ain't never set foot on it a day of my life looked at my moultrie uh, map on it seen a, a bend in a creek and uh, there was one draw on that whole property and it kind of had heat cover behind me, had a select few blowdowns. I mean, it, 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 going off my gut, it felt right. And I would say, when I say, you know, your superpowers kick in, I go off my gut. And I've talked about this before. You know, when somebody hunts a deer or goes, puts their trail camera up and do their prep work, 130, 140-inch deer shows up, 120-inch deer shows up. They go in there, hang a set, and usually when the first few days, they're going to kill that deer. But as soon as the 150, 160, 170 boom shows up, they start second-guessing every move they was going to make. Start calling, you know, Uncle Bob. Man, what do you think I ought to do? They're going to call Aunt Lucy. What do you think I ought to do? And they take their self completely out of the ballgame. It's just another deer. It might be bigger. It might be a little bit smarter. But I've always learned, I go off my gut when November rolls around. I mean, I still run my Moultrie cell cameras, but I throw that throw that rule book slam out the window. I go straight off feel, straight off my gut, straight off killer instinct. Because in my head, you can look at something and, and you know, I might be different than some people, but I mean, I can see how a scenario I think should lay out or play out. And I've learned if I'm hunting with somebody or producer, for one instance, we was in Kentucky hunting and I said, man, I said, I'm going to put that stand right there. And he said, he said, I think it'd be better over here. Well, I listened to him. Well, that was a dumb freaking decision on my part because that evening about a 150 walk 15 yards from where I said I wanted to put the set and we was 90 yards from him where he wanted to put them, you know, 
and I just learned, man, just, you know, go off field, go off your gut. And history always repeats itself on on farms, on does coming into heat. And, you know, if you're blessed enough to hunt the same piece of property, more than likely that deer is going to do the exact same thing. They are a creature of habit, 100%. yes. And, and it really stood out to me. It's been, Can be. Man, it's been a long time ago, probably six, seven years ago. We was in Ohio. There was this deer, my buddy Skinny Matt, called uh, Stickers. Big, pretty, mm-hmm. just gorgeous 162-inch tempore. He'd never daylighted. And Skinny had a farm, like it was a mecca. He had turned it into a mecca. And uh, so season, the year before, it started on the 26th. On the 24th, on the bottom food plot camera, that deer daylighted that morning on the 24th. Well, that evening, he was at the top plot that evening, an hour before dark. So, just so happened, Ohio season come in on the 24th this year. We go in there, check cameras about 11 o'clock. Guess who's on trail camera? Stickers. Same time to the year before, pretty much same tracks. Got in there that evening, me and him did. He was filming me, hunted the top plot, sat there for probably an hour and 30 minutes, killed him at 20 yards. Deer daylighted one day out of the year that we knew of, you know. Yep. And it was, you yeah. know, putting that history, then pieces of the puzzles together on that part, knowing, and, you know, and the trail cameras, if we didn't, hadn't had them, we'd have never knew it. And that played a big role in it. Yeah. Using the tools again, it's prep, preparation, hard work. It's not just, it's not just go out there and, you know, sit in a tree and shooting something. Oh, yeah. And I got some buddies. It, it, it takes work. They're lucky like it. You know, they can go out and sit on a yellow bucket and listen to an iPod and shoot a 170, you know, like it ain't nothing. And that just chaps my cheeks yep. because I'm like, I ain't that lucky. I wish I was, but I ain't, you know. Right. Well, Matt, man, I appreciate you being on here, man. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Um, next time you're in Kansas, you have to stop by the shop and sure. and we can, you know, put a, put a, a, a flesh face-to-face, if you no will. No doubt. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. It means a lot having you on Yeah, here. buddy, I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate the invite, and uh, I've enjoyed it, and I hope we can do it again sooner than later. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, best of luck getting that last deer. You, Keep us posted. We want to hear about the, you, you, you're increasing the number of inches over 1,200. We're going we to give it heck. We're going to run it till the wheels fall off for sure. That's about the only way we know how to do it around here. So. <laughs> I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Best of luck. God yes, bless. Sir. Y'all have a good day, man. Mm-hmm.